Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share, she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, five wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise! The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years! The Wise Woman Way, and Susan's latest book, Down There, Sexual and Reproductive Health, the Wise Woman Way. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at the Wise Woman University. But you can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine. And remind me, the next time... um over at your place, which I think will be later this week, we really have got to re-record that introduction because I don't even think there is a Wise Woman University anymore, just for starters. I think it's Wise Woman School now, and it has, well, I think my online courses are being translated into video courses, and I think that there's access to my correspondence courses at the Wise Woman School. And, of course, there's that new book that I keep promising, and I am now back from a week in the Pacific Northwest. I love it. There's such a wonderful, wonderful time at Whidbey Island with botanicals on the beach. And um, already spent the whole day today working on the index. How are you, Rebecca? 
Oh, I'm doing good. Yeah, it's hot out here. You left just in time for the heat wave to to kick in and take effect. <laughs> oh, that is and, so funny uh, because, you know, I, I always tease that I keep forgetting when I'm going out there in August, I have to pack for October. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, I had it's, a long sleeve thermal shirt. I mean, we were up on the island. It does we were up a on cooler up. a long sleeve thermal shirt and a, a sweatshirt. Which I thought, well, you know, I'll wear them over my T-shirt in the in the evening. But it was cold enough; I was wearing them all day. Mm, I love that. <laughs> it sounds good <laughs> right now. Hundred degrees here. Hundred degrees, truthfully. But, yes. Wow. Well, yeah, I did really notice. Mild. I said, I said, gosh, it, you know, even though it's cold now, it must have been really hot. And because I had been told that it wasn't dry, that it had been a pretty wet year. But the grass, which, of course, I'm walking barefoot, so I have a very tactile impression of it, was very rough and brown. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, somebody pointed out to me, she said, no, look, because we were at uh, Camp Casey, which used to be a big army base, and there's this huge field that they used for, you know, formation work and drills and all like that. And now there's soccer camps and football camps and all kinds of uh, um, <clears throat> youth there doing sports and from where I'm domiciled to where the classes are and the vendor's booth where I am with my books and where the meals are is about half a mile across this big, big, big field. And somebody said to me, look, they've actually planted two different kinds of grass, one which is still green and the other one which have, which has indeed turned yellow or brown. Mm-hmm. And it was cut, so it was kind of like being a sadhu, like walking on beds of nails when I walked on that brown grass. To the point where I, yeah. I to the point where I walked slightly further, so I could walk on sidewalks rather than to walk on the earth, which is a very strange choice for me. Mhm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the rains returning for sure because it's very dry here, and we mm. did have one day of last week, but it has been a long time since it's rained and. We like our rain out here. <laughs> yeah. Sure yeah. do. We get a lot mm-hmm. of it. As usual, mm-hmm. we hauled out of bed way too early in the morning and went out in a seaweed walk with Ryan. Ryan Drum and found, oh gosh, we found, of course, Neriocystis kelp. But the thing, new thing I learned about Neriocystis kelp, so I just kind of assumed that Neriocystis was, you know, kind of everywhere offshore in the oceans. But it's a, first of all, it's a Pacific Ocean seaweed. It's not in the Atlantic. And it's mostly the eastern part of the Pacific Ocean. So that's the west coast of the United States. And the west coast of South America are the places where you find Neriocystis kelp. To us, it's just like, you know, the thing that's there on the beaches, all those big bullwhips. Yeah. And there had been a storm fairly recently, so there was a lot of it thrown up on the shore so we could almost see it, you know, right through its life cycle because there were little baby ones and bigger ones. And um, so I did not know that its uh, distribution was so limited. And um, I I had seen him do this before, but I really um, noted it this time. He took a length of the tube that goes from the bottom of the ocean where there's a hold fast up to the float of the Neriocystis kelp. And actually he says the way it grows that stalk is that it first makes the float. Mm 
and the float has carbon monoxide in it so things don't eat it. And it mm-hmm. wants to go up to the surface of the water, right? It floats. And mm-hmm. so that stretches the plant tissue and makes it grow up, and it can be a lot of feet. As we see on the beaches, we see how long they can be. And then the frond, the part we eat, grows off of that float. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we found um, wakame and nori. All my favorites. Right? I still Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm lucky to live so close to the coast and be able to gather all the seaweed. And, um, I don't do much of the, the drying. Does he go over drying seaweed? And he, he says, you know, don't rinse it. If you have to, if, if for some reason there's sand on it, and he only harvests from the ocean into buckets, so there is never any sand on it. All right, he says, don't rinse it, especially not in any clear or pure water. If you have to rinse it, it should only be rinsed in seawater because the cellular structure breaks down and it starts to decay if fresh water gets on it. Mm-hmm. And okay. then you just hang it up to dry. And he has, like, taut clotheslines that he flops it over, right? And he says, it, depending on the weather, it can take anywhere from a week to 100 days to dry. Right. And just like a cool... And when like I went out with him and harvested seaweed and we brought it home and threw, threw it over these... There were clotheslines and there were wooden slats or a variety of structures we were putting the seaweed over. And it was cold enough on the island that he put on a wood fire for the first hmm. few days of the drying. Yeah. Yeah, it must be and tricky to dry it on the island. So, yeah, that's yeah. a good idea, the wood fire. So he t- takes a piece of that tube that goes between the holdfast and the float about as long as his arms are, all right, just cut off a length from that. And then he puts the small end of it into the hole because it's hollow, into the hole, the bigger hole on the other end. And it makes, well, it looks kind of like a bicycle tire, right? Mm-hmm. Like a rubble, yeah, the snake who swallows its tongue. And he says they mm-hmm. use that to store food. They would yeah, fill up the hollow with especially oil, ulichin oil. Uh-huh. There's a fish that's 70% oil, ulichin oil they would put in there. And then when you put the other end of it and put it in there, and then it dries together, it's completely airtight. Hmm. Is that cool? That's so cool, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then does he do something specific with all of, like, those little crustaceans that are on there, all the little shellfish? Well, you know, it's very interesting. When I, when I harvested with him, I, I noted those as well. I said, uh, Ryan, do you notice how many, uh, like, little crustaceans there are on, on the fronds of this Neriocystis kelp? He said, yes, this kelp is one of the nurseries of the ocean. And I said, mm-hmm. but Ryan, vegans will be eating this. And he said one thing at the time, and then another thing that he since said since then, when I said vegans will be eating this, he said, a little trace animal is very good for them. And then <laughs> since then, what he has said is, we must remember that we are all obligate carnivores. We eat ourselves. 
And I, you have heard me say that the mucus surface of your digestive system is replaced every 24 hours. Well, in mm-hmm. order for it to be replaced, it has to break down. He says, and we literally eat it. That's where it goes. So we eat the lining of our mouth and our throat and our gut every 24 hours. Hmm. Amazing, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yeah. We have an extremely special guest tonight. In fact, to be truthful, I should say we actually have two special guests tonight. And one of those special guests tonight is Celia. She's a cross between an earthy Enya. Joan Baez and Tina Fey ahead. Who hangs out with her is the Trestlefoot Fairy. And we're going to find out if the Trestlefoot Fairy is going to be running for president. Mm-hmm. Back and, at 9 o'clock um, here on the East Coast. She uh, sent a piece of music that I uploaded. So as you ask a couple of questions, there's a specific Ace in the interview, she wants to play that. So, um, oh, how we'll be wonderful! Yeah, yeah, that'll be exciting to hear. That's, that's and, good. And, um, we, and where where that is, since as you know, I don't usually do the questions in order. Yeah. So I said is I told her where to go ahead. Her latest CG Karma. Yeah, it's the it is it's that song. It's the album title song. So, right. Okay, that's what I thought. Um, okay. I will be certain to yeah. ask her about it. Good. So she'll just cue me, and I'll just uh, I'll, I'll play it, and hopefully it goes pretty smooth. And um, there was somebody that wrote in a question, and I thought it was an interesting question that maybe you'd want to cover before we get into the callers. Sure. Okay. It says, hello, this is one of Susan's former apprentices. I have a question for her on teaching classes and legal protection disclaimers, and or insurance needed to cover myself when teaching herb workshops. My question is, what do I need to protect myself? If you could ask her my question and see that it gets to her, and she um, would like to send you some of her unscented soap as well. (laughs) Oh, how wonderful. Well, I have a, I would guess, maybe partly facetious answer, and that is that your clothes cover you. And what protects you is your integrity. Once in all of the times that I have been teaching and having thousands of people at my home, has a lawyer called me and said that his client was very upset that one of my baby goats jumped on her car and scratched the paint and she was suing me. And the lawyer wanted to know what was in, what the name of my insurance company was. And I said to the lawyer, I have no insurance. And I never heard again from the lawyer. Hmm. I am someone who subscribes to the belief known as pronoia. Pronoia is the unfounded belief that the universe is out to do you good. And that most people are loving and caring. But let's take one step back. It's absolutely against the law in the United States to um, uh, 
Helen cell. And we've talked about this before. If you're telling people about things, then it's not okay to sell them products. And if you're selling products, then you probably do need some kind of insurance. It sounded to me like the question was just about teaching. As long as it's just about teaching, then what I say goes. That's what mm-hmm. I do. Because, indeed, I'm not selling any products. So I think that pretty much covers what was asked. Yes? Is there anything I missed? It seemed like there were no, a bunch of questions. Not, that was the only thing that she asked, I think, um, just that she wanted to know how to protect herself and if she needs insurance and, um, Yeah. And I think that that's a matter of choice for a lot of people. I know that a lot of yoga teachers and stuff have have insurance where I live just to, like they won't let you teach at certain studios unless you have the specific insurance, but some places do let you teach. So it's um, depending on where you want to teach and what they require. And interestingly enough, the situations that I've heard of where people have gotten sued have come very much from what we'd have to call, you know, out of the ballpark. There was an herbalist whose wife had a baby with the midwife, and one of his students wanted to know who the midwife was, and he didn't want to talk about who the midwife was, and she pushed and pushed and pushed until finally, just to stop being pushed on, he said, all right, the midwife was so-and-so, and she got in touch with the midwife, and the midwife said, oh, well, you know, there's a lot of risks in terms of like you and your pregnancy and the babies and what's going on here. And I'm willing to work with you if you understand what those risks are. And the woman did, and she agreed. She wanted to have a home birth, even though she was like an hour from the nearest hospital and had twins. And those twins did come prematurely, and they did rush to the hospital, and they did die because it took them an hour to get to the hospital. And she was fine with it because she had said she would be fine with it. I mean, she wasn't fine, but she was, she was, there was no blame. But her parents sued not just the midwife, but the person I knew who referred the midwife. Hmm. And that's what I mean by outside of the ballpark, right? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So anybody at any time can accuse anyone of anything and file a suit against them. Having insurance won't prevent that. Mm-hmm. Not having insurance might prevent it. In your case, because yeah. <laughs> Because when we have insurance, then we act like we have insurance. And if we don't, then we really stay in our integrity. Mm-hmm. If we don't, then we are careful with how we present things and how we say things. And it's more than just about being sued, too, isn't it? Mm-hmm. 
It's about respecting the plants and what plants do we teach about and talk about and what happens when we do that. At a conference, somebody said to me, oh, she says, I just love coming to the conferences because I learned so much. And the last conference, last year that I went to, they were talking about how a hundred years ago, lady slipper was used as a nerving. And can you believe when I was walking in the woods, I found this big patch of lady slipper. So I dug it all up and made a tincture because I knew it could be used as a medicine. And of course, I was horrified. Mm-hmm. Because lady slipper is a fairly rare plant, and you certainly wouldn't want to harvest any plant, all of it. And I sincerely doubted that she, during her lifetime, would have that much use for it, and because it wasn't like she was um, somebody who was making tinctures to sell. I didn't understand um, the greediness there. Mm-hmm. So that, to me, to me, these are things that I think press on me more and are more in my consciousness without insurance. Because really, what is insurance? And again, I have talked about this. Insurance is a bet that you only win by losing. Insurance isn't free. You have to pay for it. Yeah. You have to do a certain amount of work to pay to get somebody to agree that if you're sued and they agree, they'll give you some money to cover the claim. I don't want to be involved. It's very strong in me not to bet. Mm-hmm. Because I know and I understand the inner workings of my own psyche and I suppose the human psyche, which is if I keep laying money out year after year after year for something and I don't see anything back, then on some subtle level I am going to create a way to get some money back, which means somebody's going to sue me. Okay, well, I will let her know that you answered your question. Thank you. Okay, she can listen in to everything I had to say. Right. And, and I just, some real people, I'm not that she isn't a real person, but a real actual voices <laughs> that I can communicate with. Yes, and yes. Um, if you have a question for Susan, make sure to press 1 to put your call in the queue. And our first question here from the caller is coming from the 845 area code. Uh, Hi, good evening, ladies. Thank you so much for taking my call. And, Susan, it's so good to hear your voice because I feel like I feel better already. (laughs) Um, I called you about a month ago um, when I I was very afraid. I actually called to thank you for shaking me up a little bit. Um, I'm the person with the teratomas that are dissolving. I had a 9-centimeter one and a smaller one. And I haven't been back to the doctor yet, but I had a few questions for you. I've been treating myself according, I think, correctly according to the book. And I just had a few quick questions, and um, 
One of them was I'm taking chick, I'm having chickweed and wild yam every day, and triple goddess sometimes. And then I realized the triple goddess was chickweed in there, so I stopped doing that. But can I take those together? Can I put them in the same glass of water to take them? Is that that's okay? So you have chickweed tincture that has been made from from chick oh, it's chickweed I'm assuming it's chickweed leaves the cleaver I couldn't find is it fresh or dried it's it's a tincture from herb farm it's was a, the a, herb fresh or dried I'm I I guess it must have been fresh Susan I bought I purchased it I wouldn't it. guess that oh goodness oh, gracious. No. well it's funny it's that you say that it's about 50-50 in terms of herb farm so far as I know, tincture of chickweed is most effective um, by a large margin when it's made from the fresh plant. And okay, so it's I worth looking, looking at the bottle and finding out. Well, I see it says flowering herb chickweed. And I, it's funny you say that. I don't want to go off on a tangent and take up too much time, but I was using another chickweed from another company, and I couldn't find, they didn't have that one, so I had to buy this other company. And all of a sudden, I'm the same with the wild yam. I, I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but it was like energetically I felt better, like like almost instantaneously with it these other products. At so, all. So okay. I think that it is being made from Herbal Ed, who, whose company that is, and I, oh, 25, 30 years ago, used to have big arguments. You know, and he would say, you have to dry the plant before you make a tincture of it. You're not going to get a good tincture if you don't dry uh, the right, right, and I would say that may be true of some plants, but there are other plants in which you really have to have the fresh tincture. And so eventually he did start trying it with some things. And chickweed is definitely one of those where it's a lot more effective when it's made from the fresh plant, as you have experienced both energetically and physically. And the wild yam, it doesn't matter so much because roots tend to hold onto their stuff. Right, a root huh. storage organ. Okay. So roots dry out pretty well and hold what they have. Okay, okay. And I've been taking also some, so and I can mix two together. Let, yes. Oh, yes. You can take them at the same time. You can take them simultaneously. That's different than mixing them together. Well, I meant I'm squeezing a dropper full and then I'm squeezing exactly. another dropper. The reason okay. I want people to use herbs as simple which doesn't preclude mm. taking them simultaneously, is because I want your hand on that dropper full. And I want you to feel, and you can, you're very sensitive to this, is this the right amount? Is this the right herb? And oh, my if goodness. Feels, you can change how much you get each day. Oh, this day I need more of the wild yam, and this day I'm going to double up on my amount of chickweed. You'll feel that if you're using them as simples. You'll sense it. I can't believe you're saying that because I I I asked you months ago what's a dropper full a, a real ignorant question and you explained to me it's a dropper full and I I've been doing that but then I feel like oh I just need a little more and sometimes I don't and I'm so happy you said that because it affirms that feeling I thought I was just making stuff up um but but Susan I'm a little bit I'm I'm a little bit concerned today I feel great but I do there, my energy level, I, we t- 
talked about that at one point. I know that I must be healing or something's going on, and I just wanted to know if you could ex- maybe you know what to expect with this because I feel like my energy level sometimes is really low, and I am doing I, – I, I just have to tell you a little more. I'm doing castor oil packs at night with the hot water bottle, and I haven't missed a night literally since I had this checked out in the hospital. And I leave it on all night sometimes, and is that okay, or should I get up right away and wash it off? Because I'm reading different things about that. What's your take on that? Edgar Casey advised people not to leave it on for long amounts of time. Hmm. And what I can say is there's no advantage. Okay. The advantage for me is is I fall asleep with it. It like puts me to sleep. So at least I'm not getting up again. That's that's the only advantage to it to me. And it doesn't Can hurt. Can you have me. like a pan or um, a piece of plastic or something that you can slide it off onto as you fall asleep? I do. Actually, I have a little piece, of, and I hope this is okay. I have a piece of plastic in back of the flannel. Yeah, so exactly. A good piece of plastic. Okay, and then I, I sometimes I do do that, and I God bless, I've been sleeping through the night not having to pee, but this is the other thing I want to ask you about because this gets me a little bit, little bit cautious or a little nervous is I, I've been very regular, more regular than I've ever been in my life, like three, four times a day, and I know that's because I'm more cautious. I'm doing my salads like you're telling me to. I'm having my flaxseed in my oatmeal, blah, 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 but I, it's not – I, I can't explain. There's like a little bit of pain with it. It's not like pain like I can't take it because I'm very sensitive. But it's like pain like when you really have to go and you're constipated. And then it goes away as soon as it comes out. So I just feel like maybe something's in the way there. I mean, as long as I'm going, I probably shouldn't have to worry. I don't know what you feel there about that. There might be a small internal hemorrhoid. And anything uh-huh. the medical pro- profession will do to even diagnose it will make it hurt a lot worse. I'm sure. And then, of course, they'll just do surgery, which will make you hurt for months and months and months. So what I usually say to people is if it's not bleeding and you can live with it, it's probably better to live with it. And I feel like it could be the the cysts maybe, and I don't know. And, Susan, I can't find flowering cleavers, and I, I have tried to Google it. The cleavers are all, it seems like they're all leafs. So you're very specific about that in your book, that it should be flowering. Is that... If you're going to make a tincture of it. I have and to make a that what they're selling is for making infusion. I see. Even the tinctures that they're selling are not from flowers. Well, it's not the flowers. It's the flowering plant. Ah, uh, okay. Sorry. That was That was dumb. Okay. It has to be picked when it's flowering, in other words. Right. You can't pick the flowers. The flowers are the size of a pinhead. <laughs> okay. I was like, that would be very expensive. Okay. Impossible. And and you also say in the book um, that you should, it'd be good to take a, a few cu- nourish and tonify. And I'm 62, so I don't know if that matters, but take a, a, a cup of burdock root four to eight times a week. Um do I make the burdock root myself? Because I see they sell it in the health food store, and, and how would I do that? I can't find that online. I'm talking about burdock root infusion. And right. I dried burdock root because infusions are always made of dried herbs. Right. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. And 
and then you weigh out one ounce of dried burdock root and you put it in a quart jar. Okay. You fill it to the top of the boiling water. And you let it sit four hours or overnight, and then you strain it out. And that will keep in the refrigerator for five to seven days. Oh, that keeps a lot longer than some of my nourishing herbal infusions. I exactly. Do the nourishing herbal infusions are nourishing. They're nutritive, so they spoil really rapidly. Okay. And and the, when I have my comfrey one, like I wasn't, I have to say, I don't even want to say this, I don't want to put this out there, but I was in a little pain the other day that scared me. Like it felt like a, a period cramp, which I haven't had in many years. And so I just laid down, I took some skullcap, and I took my, I was lucky enough to save my comfrey infusion leftovers. I, I'm, I'm assuming that was okay. It made me feel better. So if I normally want to do comfrey, it would be better if it was a freshly made. No, I, I you do just like you do. I use the leftovers from the infusion. I think that's an excellent thing to use. Can you refrigerate it and use it later and heat it up? Is that, is that okay? What I do is freeze it. Freeze it. Okay, that's, of course, that's brilliant. And, Susan, I'm so sorry to take up so much of your time, and thank you for helping me through this. And I'm just going to give it as long as I can give it until until I can't anymore, and then I'll call you back and you'll make me feel better again, I hope. Susan, you know what I did? My waterfall. One of the things that I'm really noticing, and let me just share this with you, Um, it's not just about you, but about all of us. I am a fan of Arnold Mendel and his book, Working on Yourself Alone. And he talks about the pain body and how we feed the pain body and what that pain body is and how we create it. And but the kinds of choices that we have, that we do not, we are not required to make the pain body fat. We can acknowledge it, but we don't necessarily have to feed it. And you know, I'm beginning to develop a similar idea about a fear body. Mm. That we all have a fear body, and that we can choose how much we want to nourish that fear body and I I think you can hear that in some of the things that you've said and I certainly understand that anytime we have a pain there's a pause and we say to ourselves am I okay do I really need to pay attention to that is that a normal pain or is that an abnormal pain right and I think because you have this teratoma that it's a little more scary. Mm-hmm. And one of the easiest ways out of that is to have an affirmation. So when that image comes up, oh my gosh, there's a pain, what's going on? What are you going to say to yourself? Don't worry, isn't good enough. Six months from now, I will be free of this. Or whatever your affirmation is, I am healing rapidly and well. If this right. wasn't if this wasn't going on, I probably wouldn't even pay attention to this pain. If that's an appropriate affirmation, whatever works for you, and you can have more than one affirmation, but it's best if they're short, so that whenever that fear comes up, you have something to say that isn't go away. Right. Oh, 
it's like I'm wired to it, so I'm really paying attention. I can't pee without counting the seconds I'm urinating and making sure I'm urinating the right amount of time because nothing's blocking it. So I have to back up and 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 not be wired to it. I, I see that. Yes. Yes, maybe you choose one or two days out of the week where you monitor your pee like that. Uh-huh. Well, yes. I've been okay. monitoring my so Mondays, and, Mondays and yeah. Thursdays or in Tuesdays and Fridays or whatever uh, is pee monitoring day, and every other day it is what it is. Right. The okay. truth of the matter is, and there's some reassurance in this, that if something bad happens, we're usually aware. We're usually aware, did you say? We're usually aware that something bad is happening. It doesn't, like, sneak up on us, right? Right. And honestly, so that, is, so that okay. everyday monitoring is feeding the fear body. Yes. Yes. And you need to decide how much you're going to feed your fear body. Not working for me. Got to stop. And I'm sorry, men, men working on yourself alone, and his name was Mandel. Mm-hmm. M-A-N-D-E-L, probably. Is that close Or enough? M-E-N, I'm not sure. Or M-E-N-M-I-N-D. That's what Google's for. Okay, great. Susan, so much. <laughs> you are welcome. Green blessings. Good night. Green blessings to you. Good night. The next caller is coming from a private number. Hello. Hi. Hello, Susan. How are you? I am happy to be home and working on the book, although I was very happy to be away and enjoying myself with wonderful friends of the Pacific Northwest. Okay, great. So, Susan, I have a question regarding um, yeast infections. and A yeast um, infection in the vagina? Uh, yeah, although I consulted a naturopath and I have an itch just on my left breast um, and it's kind of like an itch in one spot and she thinks it's 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 um, yeast or candida. And well, you, you know how the medical industry sometimes seems to be the let's make money off cancer industry? Well, the naturopathic community is the let's make money off candida infection industry. So I I will tell you right now, so -hmm. far as I know, and I have done some research in this, there is no such thing as a systemic candida infection unless you're going to be dead within about 48 hours. Okay. Yeah, I've read that on your... Yeah, it is true that there are people in stage of AIDS, you know, human, um, you know... uh, deficiency virus, they will get a systemic candida, but they're, again, really, they're going to be dead in a couple of days. At end-stage cancer patients who's had a lot of chemotherapy can also get to that point. But basically, candida is one of those organisms, it's a yeast, as you said, that lives in our gut and in our vagina and in our body as part of our biome. Mm-hmm. And whenever we make any effort to get rid of something, we usually damage and destroy it. That's why I did not go for a well. She recommended grapefruit seed extract, citrusylvia. Oh, 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 how oh, awful! Oh my gosh! I'm, oh, ouch! Yeah. yeah. So I did not take it uh, because 
I know that the higher power was guiding me to said, no, please check this out with Susan because this does not seem right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also was recommended caprylic acid. Caprylic acid, capri, goat. Pardon me? Capri, goat, caprylic acid. It's in goat's milk. Okay. Yeah, so she said to buy caprylic acid and, and citricidal. And, um, you know, 600 milligrams a day. And, and citricidal um, is to kill the candida, but what it does is it kills your whole biome. Wow. So what I like for people to do mm-hmm. is to intensify getting more prebiotics and probiotics into their diet. Mm-hmm. More yogurt. More salad. I already over. I take two cups of yogurt a day, Susan. Mhm. I mean, and it's whole whole yogurt, and I've done that for years now. So a couple of years for sure. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I, and I've never had. Uh, I've never had yeast infections, and this one is like a discharge, and you know, it's that cottage cheese appearance. So it must be because I went and got a swab done a month mm-hmm. ago, and it did come out positive for the yeast. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I and then since, since that time, your... since that time, has it gotten worse? No, it has not gotten worse. It went away and it's come back. Although mm-hmm. I must confess that I I do use um, calendula ointment in that area. Mhm. Why is it a confession? Because um, some people are like, why are you using it daily? You shouldn't be using anything daily. And I was like, well, it just lubricates the area. Keeps really, they don't brush their teeth daily. <laughs> yes. I drink nourishing herbal infusion daily. Yes, so do I. I do quite a few things daily. Where where are they getting these rules from? I did I never saw those in my rule book. I know, and then also I was told to take tons of you know those probiotic and prebiotic capsules, which I absolutely abhor. So I didn't do that either. I was told by the naturopath. You. Good for yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, I just. So what I I usually say is you know. Switch it up. Do you generally eat whole grains? Yes. And many of us, I know, certainly I do this, you know, I like brown rice. I would eat brown rice every single night, so we switch it up. We have quinoa sometimes. We have kasha sometimes. Yeah, so that's one thing I am lacking, although I have a lot of kasha at home. I'm I'm not making it. I'm sticking to the... Uh, white rice and the, but I use long grain basmati rice and uh, brown rice mm-hmm. and I'm not making kasha but I do take quinoa occasionally so I can do that but I do eat a lot of of um, you know beans and mm-hmm. uh, lentils and chickpeas so um, those contain yeah. resistant starches so and I those just resistant starches add- don't get digested so they can actually get into the large intestine and feed important bacteria there. You mean these complex starches? But but let me clarify here, because you're doing what the naturopath wants you to do, and that is confusing. No, I'm not. Okay, you are. You're confusing a candida overgrowth in the gut with a candida overgrowth in the vagina. Mm. And they are totally different. Okay. So what I'm talking about is you do not have a candida overgrowth in your gut, and if you do, the way to deal with it is to eat more pro and prebiotics. 
Okay. I am not saying that those things will in any way impact what's going on in your vagina. Okay. As a matter of fact, the jury is really out about whether or not yogurt, a woman's best friend, will really help get rid of a yeast infection. There are a great many women who say if you get yogurt up in there, that that yeast just cannot live in the presence of the yogurt. Yeah. And they use tampon applicators and condoms with holes punched in them and all kinds of ways to get yogurt up into the area around the cervix. Mm. Even a little yogurt and water sits bath. Okay, I can do that. Yeah. I'll do the yogurt and water sits bath. I just don't like putting the tampon up, so... I'll do this. It doesn't have to be a tampon. They're using a tampon applicator. They're filling the applicator with yogurt. Yeah, yeah, I know. It just Okay. Just it, sometimes it's I'm unclear when we're on the telephone. Um, okay, so this sits back uh, Now, work. I I also want to go back one step. Mm-hmm. In a situation where a woman has a yeast overgrowth and it goes away and it comes back and it goes away and it comes back, there's usually a partner involved. Oh, really? And the partner, um, but it didn't happen around that time. It wouldn't necessarily happen around that time. Okay. It seems to kind of come after the period. That's what it is. So there's a pH change in your vaginal flora at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there is, um, do you have down there? Pardon me? Do you have my book down there? No, I don't have down there. I have the other ones, but I don't. Okay, because there's a whole section on vaginal infections. Okay. And a lot of different things that you can do. Um, (laughs) Candida is part of the flora of a healthy vagina and the healthy intestines I'm reading now. The vaginal one is genetically different from the intestinal one. Mm Mm-hmm. A vaginal yeast infection does not imply that there is candida in the gut. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to be able to be specific about that with you. When I said that you're doing what the naturopath wants you to do, that's what I mean, that she wants you to confuse those two things. Yeah, because there's an itch on the left breast, and it's a continuous itch, and she said, oh, it's candida. I right. Thought, oh, okay. And even oh, if it didn't make sense. And if that was, it would still say nothing about having candida in your gut. Yeah. That's the point I'm really leaning on here. That candida in your gut is not going to express in a vaginal candida or an itchy breast or a headache Mm -hmm. or any of those other supposed things. So I'm also looking for, because I know it's somewhere in here, but I'm not sure where, um... That there is, oh, here we go. Acid restorers to make the vagina more resistant to infections like yeast infections. Yogurt mm-hmm. orally and vaginally, vaginally, acidophilus capsules inserted in the vagina, mm-hmm. ascorbic acid capsules inserted in the vagina, a saltwater sits bath, a sits bath, mm-hmm. bath or douche with. A handful of salt in a quart or of warm water or two tablespoons of vinegar in a quart of water or a cup of hydrogen peroxide in three cups of water or oak bark or any astringent herb or two tablespoons of betadine iodine in a quart of water. 
Mm-hmm. Or apple cider vinegar, also I read on one of your, um, in one of my readings from you. Mm-hmm. Apple Two tablespoons of vinegar in one quart of water. It doesn't have to be apple cider vinegar. And if you are going to use vinegar, be sure that it is not raw vinegar. Okay. The last so, thing you want to put in your vagina is raw vinegar. Yeah, and also the commercial type. It's so harmful. Um, so is I'm, apple cider vinegar okay, the, the brog? The commercial type of what? The commercial, you know, like the regular, the 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 synthetic vinegar that they have, like Heinz or whatever. I think that's really bad for... Apple cider vinegar is not synthetic and can't be synthetic. No, no, apple cider vinegar is fine. I'll use the brog uh, with the mother. So. What I'm saying is do not use the Bregs. Oh, oh dear. Do not, under any circumstances, consume or use vaginally Bragg's vinegar. It is raw, and it will contaminate everything it touches. Oh, okay. In other words, their vinegar contains yeasts and molds and bacteria. That's what you want to put in your vagina? No. And why would you no. even want to put it in your body? Mhm. Oh, okay. So not even put it in the body, right? I don't. Not even orally. Why would I want to do that? There's nothing in it that's of any benefit to me. Mhm. If you okay. go to the supermarket and pick up a bottle of apple juice and read mm-hmm. the nutrition label, you will see that what's in there is basically sugar, and the only nutrition in there is maybe if they added ascorbic acid. Correct. But there's no minerals, there's no vitamins, there's nothing in there. And that apple juice fermented becomes apple cider vinegar. There is no nutrition in there. There's no reason to use it. Now, I do use it as the basis of my herbal vinegars. And when yeah, I, I, I soak herbs in it, then the vinegar, because it wants minerals, because it's lacking them, takes the minerals out of the herbs and becomes a vin- mineral-rich condiment on my table. Mm-hmm. But I always pasteurize that vinegar to kill all the organisms that are in it, and I buy the regular vinegar from the supermarket. So in organic, this case... be, organic would be fine. Mm-hmm. I have nothing against organic vinegar so long as it's not raw. Okay, so organic vinegar is okay. Absolutely or just the regular fine. vinegar is okay then, I guess. I'm sorry? Just the regular vinegar, right? Like Heinz. Regular vinegar is what I use, and I've used it for decades. Okay. From the supermarket. Used to be two seventy nine a gallon. I just bought some. It was three and a quarter. Okay. And because um, I I just read also that you could use usnea as well, usnea tincture, or echinacea tincture. Okay. But the things that that I'm talking about are things that are going to acidify the vaginal area, and usnea mm-hmm. doesn't acidify. And echinacea... No, it will kill the candida, yeah. Right. You don't want okay. to kill candida. Yeah, you don't want to. That's why I didn't do any of it until... Hey. So that's fine. I'll and I don't think the... usnea would kill it, personally, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's also another one that you say from Ryan Drum. You say that he says to take organic dirt and just drink it. And I, I tried to call around for people who sold it, but nobody, none of the health food stores sell it here. So, Where do you live? In Canada. 
Mm-hmm. And and so, do you have a garden? Yeah, and, I do. And your garden isn't organic. Um, I don't know because I inherited it from some people, so I I doubt it's organic. There, how long? I've been there just a couple of years. Well, like, by next year, I think it's certifiable. <laughs> yeah, I put organic soil in it, but I don't know what. So what I think it. you don't need to go buy organic soil. I think you need to go outside. Okay, I can just. Yeah, it's a yeah. it's a tall order, but it says it. Well, it, people it, say people say to me, Susan, you know, you talk, you know, about how there's no nutrition in raw food. And yet, when we come to your house and eat lunch, there's salad, and that's at raw food. <laughs> what yeah. is this? And I say, okay, well, there's two things about it. Actually, there's more. But one, while you're getting your salad, I'm exhorting you to put oil on it so you'll get a little nutrition from it. But mm-hmm. more importantly, you pick that salad with your bare hands, put it in that salad bowl. We never washed it. And so really what I'm doing is feeding you dirt. I'm feeding you soil microorganisms. And that's what Ryan wants you to get. You don't have to eat the dirt. It's the soil microorganisms. You can throw some good quality dirt in water. Just let it settle in the water. You don't have to eat the dirt. And then drink the water. Okay, drink the water. It's the microorganisms that that we want, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And that's why I like people to do get it on their salad because those microorganisms are hardier if they come in on food rather than if they come in with a liquid. Wow, you think of everything. <laughs> You're amazing. Yeah. Okay, so I'll, I'll do that. I'll just go to the garden and get the dirt. I think that's the easiest. Just go to the garden and make yourself some dirt. Yeah, when I read that, I was kind of, like, blown away. I was like, wow, it's that. So I think he says it to deal with it, like, for 10 days. I also read on the yogurt, um, you know, using it in the vaginal area for 10 days. That's your recommendation or suggestion. Um, So I can do that. Great. Um, I can do both. Um, I I just have one other question. And... That is because I have a mass in my left breast, and, you know, um, I mean... The one that itches. Yeah, it's the same side that itches, exactly. And when you say you have a mass, do you mean something small and hard, something large and squishy? Um, Actually, I cannot feel it at all. It was detected in an ultrasound, Susan, so... Um, it was it was detected in an ultrasound after the doc the doctor gave it to me because my mother has been diagnosed with um, in situ carcinoma and I did not get it biopsied although I was pushed to get a biopsy I didn't uh, they repeated the ultrasound in three months and it hasn't changed and I did call you prior and you had um, suggested I go see um, a Chinese medicine practitioner which I did. And so initially she she didn't she wanted to do some acupuncture on it and she said okay she can help to um you know dissolve the mass or whatever and um she worked on me then in the next session she said that I don't want to touch it with the needle because that can irritate the mass. Yeah. And, I, yeah. I can't imagine anybody putting acupuncture needles into a tumor. 
No, she didn't actually, even in the first session, she didn't put it in the tumor. She just did a distal work on the feet. Uh, but in the second session, she said she didn't even want to do that because anytime there's a needle, it might um, interfere with the mass. And now after the third time, she's like, you're okay. You, I, I don't need to see you anymore. You're fine. You're fine. So I'm, I'm kind of, um, I'm not sure how to go with that because. Did you hear me talking to the other woman? Yes, the fear body, and I, I was... Yeah. So, what, so what's your affirmation? I have a mass, I have a mass, I have a mass. This is your affirmation? No. <laughs> my affirmation is that it's dissolved, and I'm healed and whole. So well, I'm then, doing my affirmation. Well, she agrees, doesn't she? Well, it's just she a great agrees, and she, she agrees, and she's in a position where she can make money off your fear. Yeah, she can. She's in a position where she could tell you, you have to come back for acupuncture to make sure this doesn't grow back every week or every month, and you'd pretty much do what she said. And she's yeah. saying, you're fine, go away. She said, you're you fine, you go away. And then she said, yeah, but then she also cried. She said, what is death, you know? Death is the beginning of another life, so who cares? <laughs> uh, well, I don't think she's saying you're dead. I think she's saying you're fine. Yeah, but I mean, she's. But I think she's trying to alley my fear, so I concurred very. I really love that part you said about the fear body, because ever since this, I've I've become I've I've sort of tried to mitigate this fear body, but it kind of crops up. So that's not what I am saying. I'm not saying that we mitigate it. No, all. no, I'm saying I try to, but okay. I, so what we want to do instead is decide how much we want to nourish it. We don't want to starve it. We don't want to deny it. It's a very important part of us. It, it keeps us here, right? The fear mm-hmm. body says, do not walk in front of that speeding car. The fear body says, don't stick your tongue out at that big bruiser who's mad at you. Mm-hmm. Hooray for the fear body. We don't want to not have it. Mm-hmm. But neither do we want it to be the only channel. And we can create other channels. Well, I, okay, if I may just interject uh, very politely, and I'm sorry, it's just that her husband, who's also a Chinese medicine practitioner, said that when I came in, he smelt my spleen, which I don't know what that means. And he said, are well, you taking a lot of Western herbs? And I said, yeah, I drink, I drink smelled your herbs. what? He could smell my spleen. So. Okay. And I said, what do you smell? And he's like, I smell like the energy is bad and you're taking a lot of Western herbs. And I'm like, I do drink herbal infusions, but he didn't know what that was. So I, I just, I'm, I, I was a bit like, you know, cause how can someone smell your spleen? I... <laughs> I'm telling you, I was, I was going It's no away. more difficult than seeing your aura. Pardon me? It is no more difficult to smell someone's spleen than it is to see their aura. Oh, so is that easy? If you have a teacher who can train you to do it, it is easy, yes. Okay. You are willing to put in the effort to be able to do it, yes. Okay. Yeah, because... But is it difficult or hard to drive a car? It's okay. If you learn to drive it, it's fine, yeah. Right. If you learn to drive, it's fairly easy to drive a car. But if you've never driven a car before, ah, it's terrifying. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. That's and we right. all so remember, that's... you know, those first trips down the road with the other cars coming at us and cringing. <laughs> that's right. So I just didn't know what that meant, or is that why she said, you're fine, you're fine? Because I said, yeah, I drink nourishing herbal infusions. And he kept saying, you're taking too many Western herbs. That's what he kept saying to me. So. <laughs> Is that why my spleen is off? I said taking any herbs in capsules. No, never. Not what, since I've would, known about you. I am not which, taking which, any herbs at all. Pardon me. You are not taking any herbs at all. Uh, I'm taking the nourishing herbal infusion. Taking them? You're drinking them? Yeah, I'm drinking them. You're Sorry. not taking any herbs. Taking them? I'm drinking. You're the not nourishing. taking them. You only no. take herbs that are in capsules. Yeah, so I'm not taking any herbs in capsules. I do take occasional herbs in tinctures like skullcap, motherwort, if I know it is around my period. If he said to you, you're taking too many Western herbs, you could say to him, I am not taking any herbs. Mm -hmm. But like any healthy person, I eat a diet that includes a lot of plants, and those are indeed Western plants. Yeah. And yes, I do smell like a white person. It's true. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's, I, was, I was kind of taken aback by that comment, to be very honest with you. And then he went on to say, I sense dampness in the spleen. So I was like... There you go, he, dampness in the spleen. Now we have a real diagnosis. Let's mm-hmm. get that spleen fired up. Get some chi in the spleen. Yeah. But then he retracted it. Then later on he said, I'm fine. So I just, I, I don't know. And then he, just, he said, I'm fine. Took your pulses and or he looked at your tongue. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So it, you've never said something only to find that later evidence didn't support it? And you would rather that he just be hidebound and just stick to his first impression and not say, ah, I see I was wrong? No, actually, he didn't say he was wrong. He said I sensed. I'm saying I sensed he was wrong, you, but you said that he later said that that, that, that wasn't so. So that's a variant of saying someone's wrong, yes? Um, well, I, okay, so he, this, he, he didn't seem to take back what he had said. He just simply said, you know what, it's fine, it's fine. So that is I, taking it back. Okay, I guess. Sounds like you won't let him. You're going to hold him to it. No, I'm not holding I have no reason the, to. I, tr- I trust him. Look, he saw something when you first came in. And other, after further examination, he, what he saw was, it's fine. No, he actually checked my tongue, Susan, and then he said the, there is deficiency in the spleen and in the blood. And, and then she said to him but something that's not, in but that's, We're and, not and talking, we're not just, saying that you're not fine. Mm-hmm. He said something about um, you can have blood defici- lacking something. You can have deficiency in the spleen. You can have, even have empty yin and still be fine. Mm. And you can be finer. There's a wonderful book called The Web That Has No Weaver by Ted Kapchuk. And okay. I suggest if you're going to be listening to people who are working in that paradigm, that you get the books, you have some idea what they're talking about. Okay, The Web That Has No Weaver. No Weaver. The Web That Has No Weaver. It's about the five element theory. Okay. Right. So when he, when your pulses were taken... Usually the practitioner uses three fingers and on both wrists and a high 
or light pulse reading, and a deep or heavier pulse reading. So in fact, you have 12 pulses. And these 12 pulses relate to paired organs in the body, which send energy back and forth from each other in certain patterns. Oh. And the words that are translated into English are full and empty and damp and overheated. But that isn't necessarily an exact equivalent of what those words mean in English. So they're not saying that your spleen is too wet. Okay. They're saying that the spleen energy, which really isn't even your physical spleen, Mm -hmm. is damp. And that dampness means that the spleen, which should be kind of fiery, is not cooperating in the dance of energy in your body as magnificently as it could. Okay. So you are fine, aren't you? Well, I feel, except that I feel very fatigued um, sometimes. Yes. And overall, I'm okay. But then he said, don't drink any green tea. Do you drink green tea? And I said, yeah, I drink green tea. I drink one cup of green tea a day. And he's like, so bad for you, so bad. Oh, my God. Like, it was just, I don't know what he was trying to get at. And he said, green tea is really bad for me, and I should not but have it. Mean it just for you or for everyone? Well, the, little, and the word you is kind of ambiguous in English. Yeah, he said it's bad for you, yeah. That's how he said it. Does bad that mean? Does that mean nobody should drink green tea? I think the the way that Chinese practice the uh, practices it I think it means that it's it's as per the person, right? So it's up, it's applicable to me. I that's what I'm oh, I'm I d- that's I don't necessarily know that that's true. From what this person was saying. It could be, but I don't know that for sure. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I was like, why Again, don't I? Let me remind you, whether it's an Oriental practitioner or a Western MD, they are not mommy, daddy, God. Yes. They're another human being who's giving you their opinion. And their opinion needs to be weighed along with your opinion. Mm-hmm. They are not the be-all and the end-all. And if they say something that you don't like or disagree with, Counter it with an affirmation. A cup of green tea a day is great for me. Wow, you're wonderful. Yeah, I just, I was so stumped when he said that, honestly. Yeah. A cup of green tea a day is just what I need right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, you know, I kind of, like to go right to the edge whenever I do anything. So when I drink green tea, I drink matcha. Wow. That is powdered green tea, right? Mm, it, it is, and I have it, and I'm... I'm Actually, like swallowing the tea, you're really consuming the tea. And if it's really not good for you, you'll know quicker with the matcha because it's like a smack in your face. And then you can back off to gin matcha which is green tea with grain. And that's what's served at most Japanese restaurants is matcha. If you've ever gotten hot tea, if you ever ask for green tea at a Japanese restaurant, you're going to be served the grained green tea, 
which is the other side, right? So the green tea tea bag is kind of in the middle, and then there's a matcha, boom, right in your face. And then this mild, soft, oh, let's have our green tea with some toasted rice. How mellow. <laughs> yes, and I, I, do, I do love matcha. It's just that it makes my, it really fires up my metabolism, and I, I feel so hungry within an hour or so. I try not to take as much of it. I, I yeah, I take the, I take the. But again, you're not taking it; you're drinking it. Taking it is for drugs. Me? Taking is for drugs. Yeah. You don't oh, drink. So you drink. Thank tea. you so much for yes. For I, I do stand corrected. I yeah, drink. That's not a correction. Just a. I think it's important how we phrase it. No, it is very important because every time I say it, I affirm it. So I'm not taking anything because I'm, I sub. I'm totally, you know. You're drinking is I mean, I'm you're drinking, my gosh, I was served cup after cup after cup of green tea and much of it matcha. I was in a Zen monastery. And they had special, you know, electric teapots that would warm the water to the exact right temperature for each different kind of tea they had. Yeah. So they, I mean, they were very, very much into just continuously. The science is pretty strong that the, the caffeinated beverages, black tea, green tea, and coffee, confer health benefits up to about five cups a day. Yes, Which, and I have your book. High right? threshold. Breast, yeah, and I have your book, Breast Health, as well. So, you you know. so I do not think that your one cup a day um, <gasps> is going to do anything other than give you some... Uh, Opening my spleen. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I hear well, you. When I, your spleen, when your spleen gets fired up, you get hungry. hungry. When your spleen gets fired up, Right, yeah. when your spleen is not damp, you get hungry. And one of the reasons you like your spleen to be damp is because it dampens your appetite, which is one of the diagnostics of a damp spleen. Wow, yes. Right, so you see, you like it. You are fine. Yeah, and that's why I take my chickweed uh, infusion as well, to dampen my yeah. appetite while. Yeah. Well, you know. I love the green goddess, so what can I say? I really, that's why I was like, okay, whatever he's saying, I, I'm not stopping. <laughs> I do think that you're probably in a really okay place. Yeah, and I that, think. And that much of what is going on for you right now is that you need to be very clear with yourself about what you want to tell yourself and what you want to yeah. believe. So even though she said I'm okay and I don't need to see her again, I was just wanting a little bit of guidance from you. Should I uh, seek out another TCM practitioner or leave it be? Leave it be. And leave it be, okay. Leave it be. Okay. Let yourself be okay. Yeah. Okay? Yes. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Green blessings. Thanks for, for your... Amazing. Yes, I love you. And, yes, green blessings. Thank you. Good night. Well, we have quite a few callers still left, so if we don't get to you tonight, please oh. call back next. We have 20 oh my minutes goodness. for our guest. It is already. My <laughs> the next caller is coming from the 215 area code. Hi, Susan. Um, I've been Hi. learning about herbs just in the last year, and I have a curiosity question. Um, once in a while, if I get a headache, uh, I don't have a chronic problem. Um, but I was curious about how to relieve a headache 
uh, naturally with plants rather than in a traditional way that people do with taking an aspirin. Um, I tried a few different herbs and it hasn't worked. Tell me what you've tried that hasn't worked. Um, okay. So I spoke with um, an herbalist that grows herbs on her farm and I'm looking at a blend here that is um, yarrow, thyme, ginger, goldenrod, and peppermint. Not a single one uh, of which is used against headaches. Hmm. Okay. I'm not surprised that it didn't have any effect on your headache. Okay. I'm a simpler. I don't use herbal combinations. Okay. And I suggest so, that we don't use herbal combinations. Mm-hmm. And that way, you could say, well, I use skull cap, an herb that is traditionally used against headaches, skull cap. Mm-hmm. Right? And it didn't work for me. But at this point, you, you haven't, so we don't. I'm looking at the herb book by John Lust, and I'm looking at his list of herbs for various problems. Headache. We have alphabetically. And why are some of these starred? Tell me, tell me. Headache. Oh, from migraines. Okay. Is this, it's not a migraine, right? No, and the other complexity is, of course, I probably can't identify what the issue is. You know, if I get a headache tomorrow, it could be one thing, and two months from now, it could be another thing. I just know as a layperson that I have a headache. Doctor couldn't figure out what was causing it either. Don't worry. Okay. Very difficult to know what causes it. So, here are some of the herbs that he has listed for headache. Birch leaves, black elder, blue vervain, chamomile, cannabis, catnip, cleavers, ergot, fennel, hops, lavender, mawong, meadowsweet, mugwort, nettle, rose, skullcap, willow. Wintergreen, willow and wintergreen and birch all contain salicin. And salicin is a precursor to acetosalicylic acid, which is aspirin. So making a tea of birch leaves or making a tea of willow leaves or chewing on wintergreen leaves will free up that salicin. You can't make it to the wintergreen leaves because they're covered in a, a waxy, excuse me. Bless you. Thank you. They have a waxy coating on their leaves. As a matter of fact, when you first put a wintergreen um, leaf in your mouth, you won't taste anything at all because of that waxy coating, and you actually have to chew on it and get some of your saliva in there before you can start tasting it. So... Do you have access to birch or willow? Um, 
I don't know, but I do have things like chamomile, hops, lavender, mugwort, nettle, and rose. There you go. So try a simple tea of any one of those the next time you have a headache and see if it works for you. And then the next time you have a headache, try another one. Oh, I think I remember listening to your to you last week about trying to figure out dosing or how much. Like that's another thing. How if do you you're know making tea, it doesn't really matter. Just however much you want to take. Okay. Mhm. They're not. And herbs, then, herbs are not drugs. Yeah. Okay. In order to sell a drug, an LD50 must be established. An LD50 is short for lethal dose, 50%. So animals must be given the drug at ever-increasing doses until half of them die. So any drug is capable of killing you at the wrong dose. But there are no LD50s for herbs. Okay. There are certainly some herbs that could kill you, but strangely enough, the herbs that can kill you kill you at very, very low doses. And there are very few herbs that would really do any harm if you took too much of it. Okay. All right. And then, yep, uh, is there time for one quick question? Uh, well, Rebecca said there were a lot of people waiting. So why don't I go into no the problem. next Is that okay? No, Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. You're so gracious. Thank Green you. Blessing. Green blessing. The next caller is coming from the 919 area code. Good evening, Susan. Hi. Hi. Um, Okay, I'll try to be quick. Oh, my first question that I want to know is, will you ever write a memoir? (laughs) Maybe. When when there aren't any sicknesses left. When there aren't any problems. (laughs) When nobody calls into my show. Then... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, well, I'll wait for that day. Cause okay, me too. <laughs> okay, great. Um, okay, question. I was so excited to find a bone set. I've been looking for it and looking for it, and I was driving down the road the other day, and I saw it because it's just starting to flower now, mm-hmm. and and I saw its big leaves that uh, you know, it's like that big leaf with the stem going through the center of it. And so I went and harvested a bunch, and I made a tincture of the flowering top uh, with 100-proof vodka. And I wanted to know what – do you – I was reading a little bit about it in Rico Check's uh, book, Making Medicine, and he talks about using it more like during the secondary part of a – of a virus or a flu. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on when to use it um, and how to use it. I don't personally get so involved. Basically, what I understand is that when we're infected with the flu virus, that virus, like all viruses, goes into the nucleus of our cells in our body and gets the nucleus of the cell to make more of the virus. 
And until that happens, the body doesn't react. Once that starts to happen, then the body starts to react to the presence of those viral particles. And the primary reaction that the body has is to raise a fever because it's difficult for viruses to replicate at temperatures over 100. And so the body gets hot. In the great flu um, epidemic after World War I, the people who were most likely to die were the people who were the strongest and healthiest. Mm-hmm. Because they would raise such a strong fever against the flu that the fever itself would kill them. And the immune system also basically declares war and thus shuts down all non-necessary production and diverts production into immune system factors, which diverts enough stuff from your muscles that your muscles ache. Mm -hmm. So the symptoms of the flu, that muscle ache and that fever are actually direct responses by the immune system to counter the flu. Bone set has a variety of actions. Taken hot as a tea, it's considered a sudorific. In other words, it's considered an agent which will raise a fever and make you sweat. And in the heroic tradition, this was something that was sought because it was assumed that since your immune system was giving you a fever, that the cure would be to have a fever. As a tincture, bone set does a little of that. In the older literature, it says that bone set drives away evil spirits. <laughs> and well, fortunately, we don't believe in evil spirits anymore. Nowadays, we believe in bacteria. So I think that we would take from this that bone set is a fair aid to the immune system. When would the immune system need the most aid? Depends on the person. So I don't, I don't look at the flu and say, oh, there's this initial phase and then there's this other phase, although there may be. Okay. I look at the person who's sick and think, what is going to support this person? Mm-hmm. I'm more, much more likely to use bone set as a helper for someone who has a co-infection that they got from a tick. Hmm. Because I think those are also Evil spirits, aren't they? Okay, yeah. So anytime I want something that's going to give my immune system a leg up, 
it's going to help mm-hmm. my system. That's when I would think to use bone set. It's pretty bitter. So it's probably acting mm-hmm. on the liver, too. Mm-hmm. Because the liver reacts very strongly to bitters. Great. Right, bone sets an herb that was used in the heroic tradition primarily as a sudorific to make people sweat and break a fever. And I think it's an herb that as we look at it more and bring it more into practice, it's going to have some really surprising benefits for us. Yes, I was so excited to find it. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a beautiful plant. It is. It's incredible. And I've been looking, or I've just, you know, for some reason I've been looking and looking and it miraculously appeared on the side of the road. And I was like, oh my gosh. It loves those drainage. It just likes to keep its feet wet. Well, it was interesting because it wasn't a super, that's the, you had told me that before and it wasn't a super wet spot, but it was recently, there was, it had been cleared. Uh, right next to it, not that long ago. So I'm wondering if there's a lot more rain um, runoff mm-hmm. from before, maybe that I hadn't noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, it was it's it's awesome. What? So yeah. All right. Thanks for your call. Thanks. Green blessings. Good night. Thank you. Good night. The next caller is coming from the eight three one area code. Hello. Hi. Hi, Susan. So happy to talk to you. Thank you for taking my call. Mm-hmm. So I have a little bit of a mystery. Um, I had been what I thought was having um, infections in my tooth, but then um, so I started drinking the herbal infusions um, daily. And also started using yarrow. And they, um, so I had taken, I had gotten x rays, and they said that I had like multiple, like at least two cavities. And then it, like, almost a year had gone by. And um, also, I had done um, some echinacea and poke. And then I went back, and they took an x ray, another x ray. And they said that my cavities were gone. And so I don't know if that's, like, possible, if maybe it had been misread before. But um, I wanted to know what you thought about that, if that was even a possibility. That Well, I know that what would be the standard answer is it's not possible. But right, that's know, what my, yeah. I also know the <laughs> standard what my answer said. is that once you have osteoporosis, it's not possible to reverse it. And yet over and over, I have seen women completely reverse osteoporosis and wind up with better bone mass than they had in their 40s, even when they're in their 60s and 70s, by drinking nourishing herbal infusions. So what can I say? We are yeah. tearing down and building ourselves up continuously. Yeah, yeah. So, to think it, that there's part was, of ourselves that we can't repair. Well, okay, and for 2,000 years, it was the medical norm that women had nothing to do with conception. Right, yes. Um, I Yeah, I just feel like it was kind of a miracle, and I just wanted to thank you for, you know, for your um, suggestions of the of herbal infusions. They've just been helping me so much left and right in so many ways in my life. 
And also, um, they said that I had a little bit of a tartar buildup and suggested that I do go in for a cleaning. Is that something that I can take care of on my own, though? or is It's pretty hard to do on your own. Okay. Okay. Have you ever had a fish tank? Yeah. Yeah. And you know how, like, stuff builds up in the glass? Uh-huh. And you really have to scrape it to get it off? Yeah. That's what they're suggesting. That's that's okay. the, that's what's built up on your teeth, and they're going to take metal instruments and scrape it. Okay, okay, that doesn't sound too bad. It's not. It's not. Okay. It's, yeah, you know, I, I used to go to a really wonderful dentist, and he had two different hygienists, and one of them, who I truly loved, would always maneuver and try to get in her chair, was so gentle. And the other one, you know, we called her Bloody Mary. Oh, man. <laughs> right. Because those tools are sharp, and she would just, you know, she would nick you and cut you, and she just was not real careful. So if you get somebody who's hurting you, just say, mm-hmm. it should not hurt. Okay. okay. All right? right? Yeah, a, thank you. That's really reassuring. Yeah, a scaling will hurt. A scaling, they're going to go under the gum, and it will hurt. But just a regular cleaning shouldn't hurt. Okay. And then I, right. have one, I have one quick, 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 quick last thing. Um. I um, am going in to see a physical therapist for my shoulder and my neck, and I've just been having a little bit of, like, tightness and kind of, like, limited movement, and I was wondering, I'm not good about the comfrey poultices. Um, Do you think that I could... Are you drinking comfrey infusion? I'm drinking it only um, in my rotation. Do you think that that I could be drinking it more? You don't have to be drinking it more, and you don't have to be poulticing. That's fine. Okay. Okay, great. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Susan. I just I love the infusions and they've changed my whole world and I'm just so happy with 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 them and I feel like miracles are happening in my they life are. because thank of them. You. Uh, yeah. Yay, infusions. Yay. <laughs> yay. <laughs> A green so blessing. Thank you. Green blessings. Bye-bye. If you ever had a chance to hear Celia. Take it. Singer, songwriter, comedian Celia has been described as a cross between an earthy Enya, Joan Baez, and Tina Fey. She dishes up the most delicious concoction of silly and sacred, delighting audiences across the nation. She is the everyday goddess. She has rusty red locks and twinkling eyes, and she's going to cast a spell of enchantment on you. Celia gifts those in her audience with a warm, deep, resonating experience to touch your heart, your skin, and your whole being. She has a kind of silky, smooth voice that's often associated with classic Celtic singers. And she excels at comedy. She often transforms right on stage into one or more of her alter egos whose antics typically leave the audience howling with laughter. Her powerful, heartfelt vocals and wacky comedic improvisations leave you wondering what is going to happen when Celia gets on stage. Celia has opened for notable authors like Marianne Williamson, Dr. Masaru Emoto, 
Suzanne Weed with an A. I wonder who that is. <clears throat> Please do change it here. In your thing, it's Susan. Keep the sun in Susan. Donna Eden and Swami Beyond Ananda, a.k.a. Steve Berman. She's provided live music for the off-Broadway production of Rum and Vodka and has received a Best Storytelling CD nomination for her Irish Tales CD. That's the grassroots of Grammys. Her symbol song has been named the anthem for the veteran Pentacle Quest. And she uses interesting and very sophisticated looping technology, which allows her to perform duos, trios, and even larger ensembles with herself. You're right, nothing is pre recorded. She lays down a track and then using looping technology actually harmonizes with herself all live and in real time. The result is absolutely amazing. I cannot even begin to describe it, but I think we might have an opportunity this evening to hear a little bit of it. Celia is originally from Wisconsin, but right now she calls the road her home. She is currently touring with her 13th album, Karma. No matter how many times you think you've seen Celia, you can never predict what she will do and how deeply she is going to reach into your soul. Welcome to the show, Celia. Thank you. Thank you. How are you? I am doing well. What a delight to be with you. Are you going to be at God of Spirit Rising? I am, and so are you. I'm so, I'm so excited. I. So we'll fantastic. get to share a hug in just a couple of weeks. What fun. Hey, yeah. if you have not already heard about God of Spirit Rising, come to God of Spirit Rising, and you will get to see Susan, keep the sun and Susan weed, and Celia, and lots of other wonderful people. What inspired you to go on the road and just sing for people? Oh, thank you. Well, I was raised in a very musical household, and when I was a little girl, my brother started playing instruments pretty young. So my brother Brian played the guitar, and my brother Marty played the banjo. And when I would watch them perform, when I was just an itty-bitty tiny little girl, I would get the chills when I would hear them do harmonies and music together. And I said, I want to do that. I want to give people the opportunity to feel the way I feel when I hear music. And so I started out in theater in New York. And then pretty quickly after I took a trip to um, Ireland and going to the sacred sites, I decided to come back to New York and switch my career to music. And I started with like the Irish music from my traditional background and then started writing and then started touring and recording. And I've been doing it full-time for almost 20 years now. So you don't have a fixed residence. You, like Peace Pilgrim, go from place to place. That's exactly right. I was just hanging out with Janice Stanfield, who's a wonderful singer-songwriter, and she taught me this terminology, which, which helps pe- people understand it. I am geographically untethered. Yes. You do not have a permanent place of residence. I spent two years in a pop-up Land Rover on the road, and they were two of the best years of my life. Absolutely, absolutely. And I I have had homes in the past, but the last almost two years, just kind of like you, I've been uh, geographically untethered, home-free, home-full, and just taking my music everywhere I possibly can. I'm in Mexico right now. (laughs) Wow. So I think that we get to hear 
um, part of your new CD, Karma. Is that true? Do you have a song all queued up for us there, Rebecca? Uh, yeah, I think Rebecca has a song called Ritual, which is one of the songs on the Karma album. Yes, I have it right here. I'll cue it up. Here we go. Are you ready for that? I'm not hearing the song anymore. I don't hear the song anymore either. Where'd the song go? Can can you hear? Well, we enjoyed what we heard of it. (laughs) That was the ritual song from your newest release, Karma, your thirteenth CD. And if people want to hear the rest of the song, what do they do? How do they get in touch with you? How do they find Karma? Ah, you can find me on my website is uh, CeliaOnline.com. That's C-E-L-I-A-O-N-L-I-N-E.com. Um, there, they should be able to get to a link to the Karma album. Um, and yeah, this album was really different than a lot of the other albums that I've done. I'm calling it my everyday goddess, redheaded. Capricorn, high priestess of herself, ain't taken nothing less than be cherished, honored, and respected breakup album. So it's a little edgier than some of my other stuff. Wow. What are you breaking up with? You know, it's a great question. It's really me exploring some of the challenges that I've had in some toxic situations. So I'm breaking up with toxic situations. I'm letting go of all of the things that are no longer serving me and 
really on a path of new growth and excitement and creation and really self-love, really, really sitting in my own power. Wow. Wow. Somebody that I've known for a really long time said to me today, you know, I really love you. And I looked at them and I said, I deserve it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and yes, I thought, we all do. Who was that that said that? Oh, cheeky bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. I mean, we're all in all, right? We're everything. Right. We do. We deserve it. I told somebody the other day, I said, it's a test to see if we can accept joy and love. Absolutely. How much can you handle? How much can you handle? Are you up for it? test so what are you what are you working on right now awesome well right now i'm actually taking a little bit of a break because i've been hitting it hard as a touring musician for as i said almost 20 years and i've never taken a break never have i stepped back and just kind of looked at it all so right now i'm taking one step backward to take a million steps forward i'm really feeling into what's next there's so many ideas that I have. I have a CD project I'm working on called Roots and Wings, which is all going to be about fairies and trees. I've got an album called Play, which is going to have all kinds of my more fun stuff on it. And I write a song every week. So I'm releasing that for my Patreon fans. I'm still doing that. So um, I have just another week left of this break, and then I, I get back to work. But that's what I'm working on right now is not working on anything. And that's the hardest thing to do for me. <laughs> yes. Yes. Our Tai Chi teacher says the actual translation of Tai Chi is the supreme ultimate. The supreme ultimate mm. nothing. The supreme ultimate nothing. He said to learn Tai Chi is to learn nothing, and that is the hardest thing of all. Absolutely. Brilliant. I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> a song every week. We're impressed. Thank you. It's it's become really a wonderful creative process. So what I do is then I record each one of those songs and I create it and offer it as content for my subscribers. And I also do online concerts for them as well. And so that's been a really wonderful process to continue to connect with sort of my inside circle of people who get access to those songs because I've been doing it now and releasing those songs since April of 2018. So anybody who does join and subscribe gets a song a week backlog since April 2018, which is a lot of songs. And if they want to subscribe and become a patron or a matron, of your work, you're at CeliaOnline.com. Yes, that's the website. If they want to be on the Patreon page, it's Patreon.com slash Celia Farron, and that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And there's, I don't know if you're familiar with that platform, but a lot of artists are turning to it because the music industry is changing so dynamically that we're really looking at um, being funded directly by our fans because the CD sales are changing so rapidly. I'm, I'm sure book sales are happening that way, too, for authors such as yourself. But the industry's changing. Actually not. Actually not with books. There was a kind of a decade-long period when people were holding their breaths, and some were saying, it's the end of the book, it's the end of the magazine, it's the end of the newspaper, it's all going digital. But it's not, is it? 
No, I think a lot of people still want to hold that book in their hands. I'm one of them. Absolutely right. I like to have them. Even even in music, people are turning back to to vinyl, which I predicted is when when a musician said to me, oh, we got this great new technology, CDs. I looked at him and I said, it'll take, I don't know, maybe 20, 25 years before people get fed up with it because it's not ever going to be as good as that vinyl record. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And it's been an interesting process with streaming now, which is even worse quality. And what I say to people in my concerts is, you know, please buy the CDs. And, you know, I know cars are even being manufactured without the CD player in them. But what artists actually get for streaming is a fraction of what they would get if you actually bought their CD. So every time you listen to a song streaming, the artist gets 0.074 cents. So you'd have to listen to one of my songs 2,700 times to equal $10 in me as the artist's pocket. So what I say oh my is, God. keep streaming. Get oh my God. Do the streaming. But stream the living snot out of it. Make playlists. Put them on repeat for your pets while you're at work. Play them all night long while you're sleeping. All night long. Because <laughs> I feel love it. <laughs> it's the only way. It's gonna and we want to remind life. people yeah. that you can get a little um, CD player with a, a USB port that plugs right into your computer. And you can download that CD into your computer. And then you can play it on your computer just like an MP3 or anything else but you're supporting the artist because you got the CD. You started with the CD. Absolutely. And then I also say, like, when the Internet goes down, because you know it's going to eventually, at least for periods of time, right? So you can go to your closet and get out that CD player, and you get to still listen to music while everyone else is crying because they cannot stream. So, yes, please stream. Please stream. Yes. It's not a and, and that CD, it's really CD. inexpensive. It's just a little plug-in thing. It's not a, not a big deal at all. Oh, Celia, I love talking with you, and I love being in your audience and listening to you, too. And you know that one of my favorite characters, of course, is the Trestlefoot Fairy. And I hear that the Trestlefoot Fairy might run for president. Is this true? Ah, she has run for president uh, the the previous two elections before the last one. And she is not running for president this year. But what I would love to see happen with the Trestlefoot Fairy is to have a, a comedy show with her and her take on the world. And she would talk about what it would be like if she were the president and what she would do if she were the president. So those people out there who have no idea what we're talking about, I do comedy as well as the music. And I have all these different cast of characters. But the Trestlefoot Fairy is probably the most um, well-known. She's got a CD called Naughty and Pink out, and her most popular song is, if you know what Dr. Bronner's Peppermint Soap is, her I'm most like, popular song is Bingo, Dr. Bronner's you know what I mean. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Bronner's Make Your Hoo-Hoo Tingle. Ladies, you know what I mean. <laughs> so she's innocent yet irreverent, and so she's got this view of the world and has no idea why humans are making such a mess of it, because it's just so simple. Like, her health care plan would be happy people are healthy people. 
And she would get rid of the big pharma companies and the big hospitals and all of that by um, teaching people how to really truly love themselves and be happy and playful and do things like what you're talking about with herbs and organic materials and taking good care of ourselves and not eating things like Monsanto, which isn't really food. You know, So that would be her approach to um, being a leader of a country. And it would just be very, very, very funny because she's so innocent. She just doesn't understand. And yet everything she thinks makes sense. And no, she's not running. Uh, you know, she's, she's innocent like she's innocent like an eight year old is innocent. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, like an eight-year-old today is innocent. Like exactly, she really exactly. understands what she's talking about or not. But um, is the travel for very helpful and your stress? I mean, it must be stressful to be on the road. It can be. Yeah, I mean, um, as you know, I mean, you, you've traveled quite a bit, and so I'm constantly staying in different places, adjusting, packing, planning, prepping adjusting, uh, adapting. And so over the last, you know, 20 years, a lot of driving. I mean, I drive almost everywhere I go. So hundreds and thousands and thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of miles. And what that does to my body and um, all of the, the holding patterns and tensions that come with that sort of a lifestyle. And of course, always being on the treadmill of you, you've got to keep going and keep making money so you can keep eating, so you can keep creating, so that you can keep connecting so that you can keep doing shows. So there are a lot of stresses. I mean, there's a lot of great things about it too. I love connecting with people. I love the community. I love what I do. I absolutely love what I do. And while I'm here in Mexico, I've been just really reassessing and going, oh, okay, this is the cost on my body and my well-being. And how will I do this differently so it can be sustainable so I can do it for another 40 years, 50 years? Because it's, it's uh, as you know, it's not easy. It's rewarding, but not necessarily easy. There is definitely the show must go on. And there yep. are certainly, you know, as we know, times when we say, gee golly, I'd really rather be in bed with the covers pulled up on our head. And instead we get up and put on our costume and our best smile and go out and entertain. That's right. That's right. I mean, there is there is no rest for the wicked, and we are wicked. <laughs> <laughs> and that, you know, so then I then I do indeed, you know, do my best to be extra special kind to myself, you know, and say, I hear you. You really wanted to be in bed with the covers pulled over your head, and I made you go out and perform. I understand, you know. We'll go out for sushi, or I'll do something special, you know. We'll go for a ride on the Ferris wheel, whatever you need. Oh, that's wonderful. Yes. And that self-care is so important, especially when you're in the public eye. And I've been learning more about shielding because I was, I think I was a bit cavalier about it for a long time in my career. Nobody gets in. Nobody's sucking my energy. That's silly. And now I'm really looking at it and going, no, that's not true. I don't think people intend to suck energy uh, my, my fans are amazing. The people that I connect with are amazing. The quality, the vibration of the people. But sometimes, as, as it was explained to me, they just want to hang out in my energy field or whatever they perceive my energy field to be at the time. And that also takes energy. So, you know, sometimes you need to be under the covers and isolating. And you can't do that if there's, there's beings in the energy field wanting your time and energy. So learning to ground and center and shield 
and take care of that energy so that when I do have people in front of me, that I am the best that I can be for them. Yes. So it's finding that balance. So what do we do to protect a deck of tarot cards? Is, are you asking me or is it just yeah. like, do you have a great answer? Yeah, you wrap it in silk. Wrap it in silk. Ah, yes. So at the very, very Everything least. I, my clothes are all going to be silk from now on. Right. Pure silk <laughs> underwear at the least. Yeah. And then any other silk that you can get to wear. I love it. I love it. Yes. And I love going barefoot. I love connecting with the earth and doing that kind of earthing and grounding and getting into nature as much as I possibly can. That's where I write too. When I'm walk I'm very kinesthetic. So if I'm walking or moving I know you are too, you're such a dancer. So when I'm moving and walking, that's when the ideas just flow. It's a total flow. Oh, that's so good to know, isn't it? That yes. that the earth is always there and you can go out and you can get your hands on it at the very least, if not your feet. Yes, so, or just wrap those so arms important. around a tree. And I also rely a lot on an herb called Hypericum perforatum. It's usually known as St. John's wort, but, you know, I'm not really into John. He was kind of a woman hater. Actually, he was a very big woman hater. I'm more into Joan if I have a saint, so it's St. John's wort to me. And the Nice! Tin- <laughs> yeah, the tincture of this plant um, helps prevent jet lag and travel lag and disorientation on the planet. Mm, so how do you recommend taking that? Like how much of it? How often? Well, I just flew back from Seattle. I took a red eye, left at 1130 and got into New York at 1030 the next morning. And when I got to the airport, I took a dropper full of Hypericum. Seattle is a really slow airport. It took me an hour to get from the front of getting in and getting my boarding pass to actually being in the, at my uh, gate. And so I took another dropper full of Hypericum while I was sitting in the gate area. And then once I was on the airplane, I made a three-hour flight into Chicago. And so that's a right around my limit, two to three hours. So I took another dropper full at my gate for my plane home in Chicago. And um, basically was up and working the rest of the day and went to bed around my normal time. Fantastic. Yeah, for people who travel, that is just such a great tip, and I'm going to take it. Yeah. (laughs) Get you some some Hypericum tincture. Hypericum perforatum is the botanical name. Hyper means above, and an icon is a religious image, so it's more sacred than a religious image. It's the hyper icon. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Okay, let's see. Um, <laughs> the goddess and earth-based spirituality has had an impact on you. Tell us about that. No, thank you. Yes, very much so. I started doing more earthy kind of songs, um, goddess-based songs, before I ever really knew what I was doing. <laughs> I was really obviously tuning into the feminine, tuning into women's empowerment, looking, healing my own uh, experience being in such a patriarchal world. And I, I wrote a song. I was, I was actually living in New York City, and I was taking a class at the Open Center on Celtic mythology, and I learned about the Morrigan, the maiden, the mother, and the crone. 
and because I'm so kinesthetic, right, uh, I'm walking a lot in New York, and I'm just sort of writing pieces and songs and chants, and I wrote the chant to a song called Everyday Goddess, and I just sat with it. I just had the chorus, right, sort of a chant, sort of a, almost a rap, kind of spoken, and when I was recording my first solo album of original songs, uh, I was working with a wonderful um, musician and producer named Willie Porter, and he felt like this album needed another song, something to kind of round it out. He said, just give me everything you've had, you have, everything you've written a little bit here or there. I said, well, I've got a song that's kind of about this, I've got a song like that, i got a song like this, i got a song called Everyday Goddess, I've got a song called this. He said, wait, what? Wait, what was that? I said, Everyday Goddess. He said, that's the one. Right there. Write that one. I said, what? And this was in 2003, and I wasn't sure the world was ready for it. I wasn't right. sure I was ready for it. Right. And um, he really pushed me, and that became the most popular song on that album. It became the song everybody wanted to hear. It became almost my moniker. People call me the Everyday Goddess. Women have thanked me and said, I've really embraced my presence on this planet as a goddess because of this song. And that's what opened up me writing um, like Bridget songs. I really love writing about Bridget. Now I've written songs about Lakshmi and um, Isis. And, uh, you know, so really looking at these, this pantheon of all these female figures of empowerment, which really helps me feel more grounded because I'm in a female body and that's what I resonate with most. And then also earth-based things and so many of my songs are go more into the mystical and go more into the um self-improvement self-empowerment and a lot of it's uh, women's empowerment music as well because every time i think about that every time i think about writing songs like that connecting with women helping women feel more empowered more grounded more centered more alive more vi- vibrant more vivacious I get these chills up and down my spine, so I know that's part of the main reason why I'm here, is to empower women to be all that we can be, and and more. <laughs> wow, Seal, yeah. And give us that information on how to get in touch with you. There were two different websites. Yes, so I've got my, my website, which is celiaonline.com, which you can go to and find out where I will be when. Though a lot of what I'm doing, uh, and those will be on there as well, are online concerts, which is one of the things that's helping me not tour so much. So CeliaOnline.com is my website. And then Patreon.com slash CeliaFerrin is where you can become a subscriber, which is really what's helping me continue to create and live my passion and um, offer all of these wonderful songs to people. And then also, if people out there want some music, I have, you can get my email list by going to CeliaSings.com, C-E-L-I-A, Sings, S-I-N-D-S, dot com. And right there, there's three songs that you can get for free just by signing up on my email list. And one of those songs is Everyday Goddess. So there's a couple oh, of ways hey, to get in touch with me. And of course, oh. <laughs> Yeah, and you can find me on Facebook, too, Celia Farron or Celia T. Farron, and I've got a page and all that. So I hope people do connect with me there. Then that's F-A-R-R-A-N, Farron? Yes, F as in French, A-R-R-A-N, or F as in Fanula or um, Fairy. 
Fairy, F as in fairy, far as in far, far ran, F-A-R-R-A-N. And, oh, my goodness, we've come to the last minute of the show. What do you want to leave in the hearts and the minds and the bellies of everybody listening to you? Oh, and the bellies. Well, I just want to thank you, Susan, for uh, inviting me. I'm so looking forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks and all of the other goddesses at the Goddess Spirit Rising in California. And also just so grateful, so grateful that I get to do what I love to do, that I'm creating, that I'm able to be a change agent on this planet, um, much like yourself as a woman inspiring other women. So just so much gratitude every day. Thank you. And my gratitude to you as well, Celia, for helping to reweave the healing cloak of the ancients. You and the Trestlefoot Fairy, who, of course, has to add her little zig of pink in there every time. I do adore her. Thank you so much. We are very blessed by your presence. And thank you, Rebecca. For all that you do, and thanks so much, especially last week, for putting up with my really being on the road. You're talking about being on the road this week. Well, I was on the road while I was doing the show last really far and on a ferry and everywhere. And thank you, Justine. Love to you and green blessings to everyone. Remember, herbal medicine is people's medicine. It's the medicine that grows right outside your door. Good night and dream blessings. Green blessings, everyone. Good night.